Welcome to the Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. This morning we come to the end of our Advent journey. Over these past few weeks together in this season leading up to Christmas, We've been remembering the first coming of Jesus and anticipating his return, his second coming as king. We've been exploring together how Advent is really much more than just a countdown to Christmas. It's actually a season in which we, we mine some hope from Christ's first coming as we await his second coming and wonder when that will be. And we've seen that the hope we've been given in Christ produces several things in us. It is not without effect. We've discovered how the hope we've been given in Christ moves us beyond despair. We don't have to remain frozen in fear. We don't have to feel like we have to take matters into our own hands when it seems like God is being really slow to act. We can move forward in faith instead with actions that are inspired by hope rather than driven by despair. We saw, too, how hope frees us up to love, to give, rather than to be tight-fisted, to be clenching, to be holding on. We've seen how the examples of Mary and Joseph demonstrate what it means to love God through an obedient life and to love others by caring for them well. And then last week, Pastor Chris described joy as hope embodied. Joy is our confidence in God, sometimes despite our very circumstances. Joy goes deeper than happiness and describes our position of of restedness, that all is truly well with our soul because of the treasures that are ours in Jesus Christ. And we looked at the overflowing joy of Elizabeth and Zechariah in the face of God's provision and goodness and crazy upside-down activity in their own lives. And today we'll look at two more characters from the Gospels, characters who, who reveal to us that because of hope we can find peace. Peace, how does that sound to you right now? From your chuckles, I'm thinking maybe it's a busy weekend for you as well. A little frantic, maybe. A little full, maybe squeezed to the point of being overfull. And I've thought about, as I consider this weekend and how it seems like there's little room for peace as it gets squeezed out by our, our busyness and our to-do lists and our agendas. But as I've thought about my own weekend, I've realized and really been sobered by the thought that there are places around the world this Christmas Eve morning where it's not just busyness or franticness, but places of war and strife and violence where people are crying out for peace. And so, Lord, have mercy. This evening, we're going to visit again the account of the birth of Jesus Christ. But this morning, we're actually going to fast forward the story a little bit and look at an episode that occurred shortly after Jesus was born. We read in Luke chapter 2 that when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, 
Joseph and Mary took Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Now as Luke writes this story for the sake of uh, compactness, he's actually conflating two events here, two requirements that God's people were given in the law of Moses. One which was the redemption offering, the sort of buying back of any firstborn male born to a family, and then the purification rites for a mother following childbirth. But rather than getting tangled up in the details, Luke is basically saying shortly after Jesus was born, he was in the temple with his parents. It's helpful to see that Mary and Joseph were observing the law and the customs of their people, but that wasn't Luke's main point. Instead, Luke chose to shine a spotlight on two encounters that Mary and Joseph had in the temple while they happened to be there in fulfillment of the law. First, they run into this man named Simeon, a man who's described as righteous and devout. Now, it had been revealed to Simeon by God himself that he would not die until he had laid eyes on the Messiah, the promised rescuer of God's people, Israel. Now, we don't know how old Simeon was or how long he had been hanging on to this promise, how often he'd been in the temple, but we get a sense it had been a while. We get a sense that he's anticipating the day when this promise will finally come to fulfillment. And we get a sense that he may have woken up many days wondering, is today the day? Is this it? Is this when I'm going to finally see the promised one of God? Now, it's a very interesting promise that Simeon had been given because generally, we don't know when we're going to die. But God had told Simeon that he would not die until he had first seen with his own eyes the Messiah. So basically, God's saying, okay, until that happens, there's really nothing that can kill you. And so if today wasn't the day that he saw the promised one of Israel... It also wouldn't be the day he was mowed down by a runaway ox cart. An interesting situation. 
And day after day, most likely for years, Simeon had kept his eyes open. And we get a sense from his story that he really wants to see the Messiah, even though he has this life insurance plan that until he does, nothing can touch him. Simeon kept his eyes open. We get a sense that he lingered around the temple quite frequently. We're told that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Other translations say that he was waiting for Israel to be rescued by the Messiah. Israel, God's chosen people, were in desperate and dire need of rescue. And God had come through for them before. And Simeon knew he would live to see the day that God would come through for them again. When God would send a rescuer, send the rescuer, the Messiah himself. And I wonder what Simeon would have been expecting to see. He was promised he would see the Messiah, and I'm sure he had some sort of mental image going through his head. Maybe a a seasoned warrior, or a regal king, or a wise statesman. He had some picture of what this Messiah must surely look like. And I wonder if it ever occurred to him that he would see an infant that his encounter with the the Messiah would be in the very earliest days of the Messiah's life. We only know that when Simeon encountered Jesus and his parents in the temple that day, he knew. And he essentially said, I've seen all I need to see. Sovereign Lord, he says, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. And so God had kept his promise, his promise to Simeon and his promise to all of God's people. And so now Simeon's saying, God, you can take me anytime. His life felt complete. He knew he would die happy. He has seen in this little baby the salvation of God's people. He says, this baby will be a light even for the Gentiles, for those outside the covenant promises of God. Through this child's life, a light will shine. Now, as it turns out, Simeon wasn't the only one in the temple that day who was clinging to the hope that God would soon rescue his people. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So we're told that Anna was a prophet, someone who was given special information from God and then meant to share that information with God's people. And so Anna adds her own words given to her by God's Spirit to the words that Simeon had already declared. She adds her declarations about this child who had been brought to the temple that day. And she praises God. She talks about Jesus. We're told to all who are looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. And so it wasn't just Simeon, it wasn't just Anna who were there in the temple that day, waiting, clinging, 
crying out to God for deliverance, waiting for the long-promised Messiah to finally, finally appear. People were aching in their spirits. They were in deep need of consolation. The whole nation of Israel was oppressed by enemies and oppressed by the weight of its own sinfulness. They were people in need of redemption. And when both Simeon and Anna laid eyes on Jesus, they felt in their souls that they were blessed in that moment with peace. Their longings had been fulfilled. There was a settledness in their spirit that led to overflowing joy and celebration. Simeon, filled with the Holy Spirit, declared that not all the days ahead would be easy ones. Not for the Messiah, not for Israel, not for Mary. He prophesied, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And Mary, a sword will pierce your own soul also, speaking no doubt of the anguish that Mary would suffer as she sees one day her own son crucified. Simeon declares that there's news that's worth celebrating, that peace has come, but he also says that there will be some crucible moments ahead, moments of testing when hearts will be revealed, when motives will be exposed. The Messiah had come, and this would be good news for some, and it would be the downfall of others. But as for Simeon, he was now ready to depart the earth in peace whenever God thought it was the right time. He had seen his rescuer with his own eyes, held him in his own arms. In that moment, on that day in the temple, Simeon's situation really hadn't changed. God's promise to him had come to fulfillment, but Rome was still in charge. Life was still hard. Wrongs hadn't been righted. But for Simeon that day, it was enough that he had laid eyes on the one who was the fulfillment of so many promises the object of so much waiting, so much anticipation, so many prayers. The little baby at the temple really hadn't done anything yet, but the arrival of the Messiah was enough to bring Simeon, to bring Anna, deep peace. And this is the sense we get from the artwork that we've had up here on the platform during this season of Advent. Artwork based on an original an original artwork called Mary Consoles Eve. We get a sense of this idea that in the very arrival of Jesus, even before he was born, as he was still in Mary's womb, that we had been given the pathway to peace. The consequences of sin that had haunted the descendants of Eve and Adam ever since their downfall in the Garden of Eden we're finally going to be addressed. God's people, all people who were in need of consolation, who stood in need of redemption, in need of a savior, had now found the fulfillment of their hopes. And before Jesus had done anything, 
As Mary could feel him growing in her womb, humanity was given a gift of peace. The Messiah had arrived. Now, a few weeks ago, as we began our Advent journey, we explored how this season uh, of waiting can be thought of as a twofold kind of waiting. We wait for and prepare for the coming of Jesus at Christmas, but we also anticipate Christ's return. As Christians, we declare that our hope is in God's promise that the Messiah who came is coming again. And because of this hope, we have peace. Advent calls us to look back at those stories in Scripture of those who waited for Christ to arrive the first time and to find our own hope renewed as we actively await Christ's return. Anna and Simeon found themselves flooded with peace, not because of what Jesus had done in that moment, but simply because he had arrived. He was there in the flesh. Now, I think it's safe to assume that neither Anna nor Simeon were around to to witness the rest of the accounts that we find in Luke's gospel. They no doubt had no opportunity to hear Jesus teach or to see him heal. They didn't see him die on a cross. They didn't see him risen from the dead. But their hope in who he was gave them peace. Their hope in his arrival, in his incarnation, in flesh and blood, gave them peace. Today we find ourselves on the other side of the events recorded in the Gospels. And just as Anna and Simeon looked back at the Old Testament prophecies about Jesus, we can read about his life, his death, his resurrection. And these stories matter deeply because it is in the life and the death and resurrection of Jesus that we have life, that we have hope. Our hope comes from responding to these stories of Jesus by placing our faith in him and him alone. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we receive forgiveness for our sins. We have the Holy Spirit to empower us and to guide us into living an abundant life that pleases God. And we have the promise of eternal life in the presence of God himself. We live in a different era than the time of Anna and Simeon in the temple. And yet I think as we look around the world, we might notice some similarities. Power still seems often to be used for corrupt and oppressive purposes. There is still injustice. There is still brokenness. Things don't seem to be keeping with what God intends, and when we're honest, we look at our own hearts and lives and find that to be true. We find ourselves like Anna and Simeon, longing for consolation, longing for the Messiah to come and make all things right. Jesus did come. That's the truth that we'll celebrate tonight. His coming changed so much. His coming means that our lives can be transformed from the inside out. As the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new has come. We are new creatures in Jesus Christ. But we know that when Jesus returns, all of creation will be transformed, restored, and renewed. 
all things will be made right. And so until that time, we wait. We wait with readiness, with anticipation. We wait as people of of hope. And our waiting is an active kind of waiting as we put our energy into those things that God has called us to do, that Jesus showed us how to do as he walked this earth and as God's Holy Spirit empowers us to do until his return. As we wait, we work in step with God's Spirit and we walk side by side with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but I haven't been promised by God that I will live to see the return of Jesus Christ. But I think we can still all steal a line from Simeon and wonder, is today the day? Is today the day? Christ's return has been promised. It is certain. And that day will come. And as long as today is not the day, It's still a day that the Lord has made. It's still a day that we can rejoice and be glad in. Friends, Jesus has come. Jesus is coming again. And so we need not despair. We've been given a hope, a hope that will not disappoint us, a hope that fills us with love, with joy, and with God's peace. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in prayer? loving, saving God of peace. We thank you for the hope that you have given us through your son, Jesus. Thank you for the peace that you have made possible between us and you and between us as members of the body of Christ, all because of Jesus. God, in moments of hopelessness, would you renew our hope and flood our hearts with peace? In times when we're tempted to give up on the idea of Jesus ever coming back, would you restore our faith? In times when we get distracted from our purpose as followers of Jesus, would you sharpen our focus and rekindle our love for him? God, thank you for the gift of Jesus, for all the eternal treasure we have in him. We pray this in his holy name. Amen.